chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. Let's listen to something that we consider familiar, I trust. But let's put weightiness on its words. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understanding all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long. It is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. How many of you know all these verses are really rich? We could stop and walk through them individually. Wow. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. If we just did that part, there wouldn't be any divorces. Love is not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. Don't tell me there's not truth. We just read the word truth, right? Love bears all things, believes all things. This is talking about supporting somebody you love and staying with them. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I just want you to notice it didn't say love endures most things. Not even some things, but all things. Mrs. Brooks, I just want to thank you for enduring with me. For 52 plus years. Watch verse 8. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Notice something Paul says important about our present earthly experience and eternity. For we now know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, and that is not speaking of the Christ, it's speaking of the perfect kingdom of God that began with the coming of Christ. When that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I, I just want to stop right here and say, if you would you allow me not to add to the scripture? Certainly not take away. But I know I know people won't like me for saying this, but these verses say you got to grow up. These verses say you can't remain a twelve-year-old child all your life. Here's where I'm going to get in trouble. I see this advertisement on television. They mac they they're advertising macaroni. And this little girl, she wants a certain kind of cheese. 
I know everybody's going to think I'm horrible. And what gets me is she goes, I'm not eating that until you give me what I want. I'll be here if I have to sleep here all night. And if I'd have been the dad and mom, I'd have said, that's exactly what you're going to do. No, but you know what we do? We just have to pay. And then she gets what she wants. The little 10-year-old gets what she wants. I just ask you one question. Who's in charge of that household? And you just wait, Mama, till she's 16 and 18 and see what happens. I don't have a friend left in the house, especially young people. I don't. Can I tell you that God expects you to grow up and be in charge of your house? And children, only parents that love you will see that you are disciplined. And if you're taught that you can have your way about everything, anytime, anyplace, any means that you are not being taught right because life doesn't turn out right without God. I heard an amen out of the drill sergeant back there, didn't I? Listen to it. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I, what's the words? Put away childish things. So now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these, come on, the greatest of these is love. Can you just turn to somebody and say, thanks for loving me? <laughs> this season of Christmas, Again, just one of my favorite times of year. It's just, I love it because the message goes out again. I, it makes me, can I say, I, I long for Christmas kind of because I, I, I go back and, and I try to rehearse sometimes some Christmas as a kid. I remember so many things when I was a young boy way out on the farm that I, I learned very early in life when you have very little, anything you get means much. I mean, it means a lot. I will never forget when I was eight or nine, I got a Daisy BB rifle. I wish I'd have brought it today. I still have it. I love it. It's hanging up over a door. Um, yeah, I know I'm sentimental, but I thought that thing. I, I went bear hunting that afternoon. <laughs> Remind me of a little story about a uh, young boy. At night, he was shooting BB gun up in the sky and the man walked by and said, what are you doing? He said, I'm shooting at the moon. And he said, you're shooting at the moon with a BB gun? And he said, yeah. And he said, well, that, that'll never reach that moon. And he said, coming a lot closer than you are. <laughs> Watch it, kid. <laughs> I'm afraid that most of our world knows very little about genuine love. We give gifts and receive gifts, and they express it, and I thank God for that. But I want to declare to you that I do not believe that most of our world knows anything about genuine love. I want to ask us a question, because we're here the day after Christmas, and we're probably all of us here in the house of the Lord. I trust we're born again.
I want to ask a question. Do we genuinely know what love is? Even as twice-born people. Enlisting the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the verse prior to what we read, God reminds us that he gave some the ability to speak with tongues of men and angels. But love was greater than that. It tells us that he gave some the ability to exercise great faith, but he said love is far greater than that. He gave some people the gift of healing and thank God for it, but he said love is even much greater than that. He goes on to say that he bestows a gift of wisdom upon some, but it says love is greater than that. It says that he even gives some the gift of prophecy and thank God for the prophetic word, but he said love is greater than that. So I want to tell you something. Don't get enamored with people that have gifts. Be enamored with somebody who totally loves you in spite of you sometime. You know what? I have some spiritual heroes that I love deeply, and I could call their names, but one of my number one spiritual heroes is my bride. Because in spite of all the... (laughs) Let me just leave that blank. In spite of all that stuff... She sees it all, hears it all, feels it. I just go, I I marvel that she stayed. That's my hero. I don't know anybody more on my side. But let me just say this. She will defend me from everybody else, but she has this gift of (laughs) correction. She's bestowed with a gift of correction. Or at least think about it in a different way. Listen, don't push that off as non-valuable. It's a treasure. You know, we guys, we macho, we're going to run out there and charge hell with a squirt gun or the moon with a BB gun. And then we get out there and we get all in trouble and the bride pulls us back and says, hey, big boy, time out. Don't let that diminish you. God gave that to balance everything. Well, it's getting quieter. (laughs) Love never is never listed in one of the gifts of the Spirit. Love is not a gift of the Spirit. Here's why. For he who has a gift of tongues is supposed to also have the gift of love. And he who has the gift of faith is also supposed to have the gift of love. And he who has the gift of healing and and wisdom and prophecy and all the gifts that God gives, they're all supposed to have the gift of love. Matter of fact, it's supposed to be a prerequisite. Otherwise, the gifts will not be ministered in a godly way. Please note that love is a gift. And because it's a gift, it is not for sale. Love is always given, it's never purchased. It's never really even earned. Love is always given, it cannot be earned. And God has given to all 
who are born again of the Spirit, the commandment to love one another as we love ourselves. I want you to hear me as a pastor. I've been here for 34 years and three months, something like that. I want us to learn to love one another deeply. You know what church is? Church isn't a bunch of people that get here and argue about the color of the carpet, argue about the parking lots, or argue about a, what a pathetic, simple, to be honest with you, nothing that matters very little compared. I want to say this. Do you really think heaven cares if this carpet's green or blue or orange? or What is it? Red, tomato, I don't know. Do you think heaven really cares? And I don't mean God's not concerned. Do you realize we... Folk, there are people today who are living their lives and they're locked up in, in bitterness and gall and hatred and all kinds of things because of what somebody's done or somebody didn't do and we literally destroy ourselves and we don't realize that we have allowed that person, whoever it is or that situation, whatever it is, to get between us and God. Guess who's being destroyed? Guess who's paying the price? I hear people, well, they're not in church, hadn't been in church for years. Listen, you're not going to find a perfect pastor. You're not going to find a perfect church. You're not going to find a perfect people. You know what church is? Church is a group of people who come and learn the love of God, and we get saved, and we come, and we minister, and we obey, and we learn to put up with each other in love because it helps us see ourselves, and it can benefit us. God wants to use us to learn to love, not to learn to divide. It's true. I find trouble. I, I hear about trouble going. I usually go to it. I probably shouldn't have said that. I, listen. In John 15, 7, these things I command you that you love one another. Turn to somebody and say, Mr., Ma'am, sir, right quickly. Sir, ma'am, you're commanded to love me. Wow. Let's bow our heads. Romans 13, 11, love is the fulfilling of the law. Galatians 5, 14, all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, that you should love your neighbor as you love yourself. 1 Peter 4 and 8, love covers a multitude of sin. Do you know how many times that I've been flat on my face thanking God that love covers a multitude of sin? He said, Pastor, you're the pastor. Listen, I know you think I'm the most spiritual person in this room, but you're mighty wrong. How many of you have blown it? How many of you have blown it twice? How many of you probably think it'll happen again? Aren't you glad that love covers a multitude of sin? 1 John 4 and 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. Verse 8 says, He that loves not 
knows not God. Did you hear that? If you do not love, you do not know God. Wonder how many are playing the spiritual game across our nation today. You're commanded to love. And if you don't, you're not of God. That's why, that's how you can be religious and not saved. That's, how, that's why you can belong to a church and not know the Lord. Hallelujah. First John 4.12, if we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. That means we see the negative and we feel the pain and, and we understand, you know what, I just don't like some things about this person or that person. But God gives us a love and a mercy because we're commanded to love. Listen, if you're commanded to love, you'll find a way to make that happen. And the number one place to make it happen is to sacrifice self. Hallelujah. Song of Solomon 8, 7. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. On the walls of an insane asylum, an inmate wrote, he was said to be mentally demented. The love of God, so rich and pure, so measureless and strong, could we with ink the ocean fill and were the sky a parchment made where every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry nor could the scroll contain the whole though stretched from sky to sky. Another wrote, I was sinking deep in sin Far from the peaceful shore. I was very deeply stained within. I was sinking to rise no more. But the master, but the master of the sea heard my despairing cry and from those waters lifted me and the only reason I stand here today is because love lifted me. Let's just stop. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry and from those waters lifted me now safe am I. Sing it out loud. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. So glad lifted me. Yes, his love lifted me when nothing else could help. 
love lifted me. I've been in church most of my life. I've seen thousands and thousands of Christians. If there is one great need, I believe, of God's people today, it's to learn to love each other. Brothers ought to love brothers. Sisters ought to love sisters. Preachers ought to love preachers. Oh, my. Churches ought to love churches. Nations ought to love nations. For the greatest of these is love. This morning, around this Christmas season, I want to stop and say to you, as a pastor and a human being, I may as a human being, have failed you in many ways. But as a pastor, I have not failed to love you. When you hurt, I hurt. When you suffer, I suffer. When you weep, I weep. When you rejoice, I rejoice. Someone wrote, love when the sun shines brightly. Love when the clouds hide its view. Love when the victor's crown is gleaming. Love when defeat has brought its gloom. Love when the object has made you proud. Love when shame has come his way. Love when others seem to love you. Love when no friend comes into view. Love the loving. Love the unloving. Love the lovable. Love the unlovable. Love when your heart's happy. Love when your heart's breaking. Love him who speaks well of you. Love him who speaks ill of you. Love him who does good to you. Love him who does bad to you. Love him who loves you. Love him who hates you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you miss everything I say this morning, hear this. Love is not determined by the object. Love is determined by the lover. If you're waiting till everybody loves you, we can find enough reason not to, <laughs> can't we? He who has Bible love loves the unlovely just as much as he loves the lovely. He who has genuine Bible love says, as they nail him to the cross, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Jesus startled us one time when he said, in this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, our substitution for our sins. It's not surprising that you and I can love a perfect God it's not surprising that you and I can love a merciful God or a generous God, but the ultimate love that I've ever experienced is a God who was perfect, could love someone imperfect such as you and me. A God who is mighty can love somebody so weak and so frail as you and me. About a month ago, there's a full moon I was walking, I have a little shop behind my house, about 50 feet. I walk between them at night. I, I, 
I like to be out at night. I, I really, I, I like to thank God for the creation in which I live. We're so busy scurrying around. Every, every time at night, I always try to see the North Star because I believe heaven is in the North. You don't believe it, read the Bible. Is that news to you? Promotion comes from the north. Just, just read it. But I like to look for the North Star. If I can't see it, I'll say, God, lot, lots of things between you and me. I like to look at the moon and say, God, I know who you put that up there for. Do you think God put that moon up there for you? He did. Do you think that North Star was placed up there for you? It was. I love this earth, this planet. I thank God for the stars. Do you know the word says he named every one of them? I saw here a few years ago where men have the audacity that now they study all the stars they have it. You can pay so much money and they'll name a star after you. Well, I got news for you. God's already named them on creation day. And listen, you say, I'll tell you something amazing. Read this. The star sang on the morning of creation. He said, well, how in the world can a star? I asked my wife the other night, how can a star sing? She said, oh, I think it's a twinkle. I think they sang. Scripture didn't say, Sister Brooks, they twinkled. <laughs> I'm just telling you. It says the stars sing in the morning of creation. Listen, if God wants a star to sing, it can sing. And he did it all for you and me. I love this country. I like this state and this city and this church and my home. But it is beyond my understanding that that God who spoke it all into being sees one individual when I talk to him about his moon and his star. But that moon and that star and everything in creation, God says with it, I love you. This whole thing was created for us to God show us he loves us. It's so easy to get in the world's way, to get in that mindset and think that way. I just want to tell you, you'll never hear better news than this. God loves you. Online, whichever camera I'm on, I will tell you this. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. The good news of all the ages and the Christmas story is that God loves you. Decades ago, early part of the last century, a young man was at a party. And this was the day before computers and even before wristwatches. They only had clocks. And somebody at the party said, what time is it? And there was no clock there, so the young man took off down the street looking for lights, and he was going to find out what time it was. 
He walked down the street and finally he saw a light in a distant building. He ran in that building to see if he could find a clock. That young man had no idea when he went inside. John Williams went into a building looking for a clock. He had no idea when he walked in that building that Reverend George Whitfield, it was his tabernacle and they were in the midst of a revival service. And George Whitfield was preaching on the love of God. And he pointed like the congregation. He said, God loves you, and God loves you, and God loves you in the middle aisle. He said, God loves you, and he went on, God loves you, God loves you. It so stunned John Williams. He stood there in the back center of the aisle, almost stunned. And another young man, I guess he got tired of waiting, followed him. He ran in, and did he, he said, John... Did you find out what time it was? And John Williams says, yes, it's time to get saved. And he went straight down that aisle to the altar and became a twice-born son of God. I want to tell you something. God loves you. Individually, knows right where you are. That's why I came here this morning to say I love God, but to tell you that God loves you. And while you're here and while you're online, let me tell you this, God loves you. If you're a non-believer and you're hearing the message this morning, try to let the Spirit of God speak to the deep parts of you. Because this old world, when it's finished, will do away with you. But I want to tell you, God will keep you forever. I knew a pastor years ago in a large church was preaching and over to the side of his sanctuary there were windows and he saw a man looking through the glass and he motioned to one of the ushers to go bring him in. The man approached this man who was an alcoholic. He was shabbily dressed, did not smell good. The usher said, come inside. And this inebriated man looked at that usher and with a broken heart and with an emotion that you could feel, he said, sir, you mean that I'm welcome in there, in that beautiful place? Church, Christ Legacy, let me say 10,000 times, yes, 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 yes. You are welcome. The usher set him down. He heard the message. Got up, went to the altar. After the service, he sat back down at the back of the building. And finally, the usher came to him when he was the only one left, and he said, Sir, you have to go now. I have to lock the building up. And that man looked to the usher and said, Please don't make me leave. Please don't make me go. And he pointed outside and he said, Mister, it's hell out there, but it's heaven in here. You let me say in a right manner, it's hell out there. And there are many suffering. They need to know they can find heaven in here. The usher took him to lunch. 
Ladies and gentlemen, God loved that man. It is our responsibility to make our homes, our church, this nation, the place where somebody can know they can be loved. God's love is strong. Ours is frail. Sometimes someone gets unloving and we stop loving. Sometimes someone gets not so pretty and we stop loving. Sometimes someone says something they shouldn't and we stop loving. Someone loses their temper and we stop loving. Someone disappoints us and we stop loving. But I want to declare to you, not so with God, but it's not supposed to be with Christians either. Years ago, in my first pastorate, I went to a hospital, a little town of Dequeen, Arkansas. I was so young. I knew very little. I was visiting an elderly man in my church. After a little visit, I started to pray with him and across, you know, just four or five feet away was another man. And I said, sir, I'm going to pray for this man. Would you like to be included? And he shook his head and I began to pray. I was not ready for what happened. The man I prayed for who'd been in my church a while Thanks, Pastor, for praying. And I heard behind me a man that was sobbing with every... He could not control his emotions. And I turned, Sir, are you fine? And he kept shaking his head and kept trying to control his emotion. And after what seemed like three or four minutes, he said these words to me. He said, Pastor, or Preacher... That's the first time anybody's ever included me. We're in a crowded world, but there's a lot of people that are lonely, ladies and gentlemen. Why don't you ask them if they'd like to be included? The thief did. He said, include me. On that cross, and Jesus turned that noble head, and he said, today, I will include you. I think we ought to be shouting, today I'll include you. Ladies and gentlemen, this world is filled with thousands who have no idea of what, about what genuine love is. Christmas announced once again God's greatest gift of love toward humanity. I want each of us to be mindful, not only to receive it, but to give it to one another. For the greatest of these is love.